Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are wonderful. You are worthy. You are glorious. And yet, you choose to be right here. To be right in the midst of this time of worship. To hear the cries of our spirits, the thoughts of our minds, the feelings of our hearts. You choose to be right here. To fulfill your promises. To open to up, up to us the way of life. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We just want to lift up your name and glorify you for all your goodness and for the incredible love that you bring to us. So, Lord, look past our faults. Look past our failures. We just want to release them to you and uh, let them die with you on the cross so that we can live with you in tomorrow. Father, we gather today and we thank you for the God that you are and that you choose to be in relationship with us. So we give this time to you now. Ask that it would be worthy of your name. We pray it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're going to have a seat this morning, and let's uh, watch the screens and remind ourselves about these wonderful commandments. frantically working up there. I can see sweat on their brow. Well, maybe we won't watch the screens this morning. Give me a thumbs up or down up there, guys. Down. Okay. Oh, Moses oh, oh, went up. to the mountain, and God spoke unto him. There it is. Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? Nothing, I finished it, forget it. Oh, Lord, why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord! Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me. Oh, hear me. All pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15. Wait. Ten. Ten commandments for all to obey. That was worth waiting for, wasn't it? Uh, well, you know, I mean, like, hopefully it didn't happen that way. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, what we're left with, what we're left with is perfect. And uh, what we're left is with is exactly what God wants us to have. And that's why we're going to take this week and the next two weeks to just uh, look at these, uh, at these Ten Commandments and uh, try to discern. Um, so why does God want us to have them? What, 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 how are they still relevant to us? Uh, in our life today. 
And uh, it is interesting that it wasn't 15, it's only 10. I mean, 10 is kind of an interesting number for us in our, in our culture. I mean, it is the, uh, the basis of our uh, decimal system. Uh, we come up with uh, things like, uh, what, the 10 most wanted, right? 10 kind of fits that category. If you're a Letterman fan, I think it's Letterman, doesn't he always do? The top 10, right? Isn't that it? The top 10, right? And, uh, of course, when it's, uh, when it's uh, New Year's Eve and the ball is dropping down, everybody starts counting down right where? 10, 9, Eight, right? Why would you start? Ten somehow is a big deal for us, right? Uh, and uh, it is a big deal for us if you're if you're a sold-out Christ follower, uh, because God has given us these incredibly perfect commands, uh, and, and they're given to us uh, for our well-being. And, and that's kind of one of the key observations we got to get to today. Is a lot of people in our culture when we start talking about the the perfect ten, the Ten Commandments, they, they look at the Ten Commandments and they see them simply as a list of do's and don'ts, right? They're, they're just kind of this list of do's and don'ts. When in reality, if you are a Christ follower, you're going to perceive, you're going to see this is a list that feeds our relationships. It's not about, you know, do's and don'ts. It's about encouraging our relationships about helping us understand how our relationships can become everything God wants them to become. Uh, so these, these ten are given to us as some kind of burden on our lives and, and kind of, you know, over us to be the do's and the don'ts in life. But they're really given to us as a gift, as a support to our life to discern and discover how great our relationships uh, can be. And, of course, it starts with our relationship with God. We can see that right away. If you go to Exodus 20, and that's where, uh, you know, Mel Brooks got them from. Exodus 20, it says, uh, Here are all the words God spoke. He said, I, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. That is the land where you were slaves. Now, what's important, this is the, the entrance into the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus 20. What's, what's neat there is you may not have seen it, but look at verse 2 there where it says, I am the Lord, what? Your God. That's a relationship term. That's a relationship term. He, he didn't say to the Israelites, you know, listen, you've got to follow these commands because I am the Lord, the God. Or I am the Lord, a God. No, he says, listen, I am the Lord, your God. You see, God is already assuming relationship. He, he's already assuming relationship. And he says, listen, I've proven my commitment to this relationship with you because I brought you out of Egypt. You were slaves and I brought you out now. And now they're at, at Mount Sinai and, and their God is there and he's given these commands. And he's giving the commands because he is a God of relationship. And, and he wants these Israelites to experience the most tremendous relationship they can experience with him uh, possible. And he wants the same for you. The commandments are given because they are commands about helping us discover the incredible relationship we can have with God and then the incredible relationships we can have uh, with others. If you look at Paul in Romans 3, he uh, reminds us of the importance of you and I as Christ followers, you know, understanding uh, these commandments. He says, are people saved by obeying the law, the do's and don'ts? Okay. Not at all. 
they're saved because of their faith. We firmly believe that people are made right with God because of their faith. They're not saved by obeying the law. So the key for us in our salvation, our growth in Christ, is our relationship, right? It's about our relationship with Christ. It's not about whether we obey or don't obey a whole bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. It's about where you're at with Jesus Christ, right? What's your relationship with Christ? Well, it'd be easy to say then, well, great, absolutely wonderful. Then we don't have to pay attention at all to any of these commands. No, Paul says in verse 31, does faith make the law useless? Not at all. We agree with the law. What does it mean? Well, we come in agreement with it. We, we, we receive it for our benefit, and we move our life in that direction because we know we want to build our relationships. And because we want to build our relationships, we're willing to move into agreement with the law. Not because it's a do or a don't, but because it encourages us, it strengthens us, it makes our relationships all the better. Let, let me give you an example. I love my wife. She's an incredible woman. And there are times in our relationship where I agree with her. Does that surprise you? No. But, I mean, I agree with her even though I disagree with her. But why do I agree with her? Well, because I want to have an incredible relationship with this woman. And so I'm ready to move into agreement. Right? Am I the only guy in the room that's experienced that? Isn't that the way the work? Ladies, you do that too. I know you do, right? Well, why do we do that? Why do we move in, into agreement with our partner even though we're like, eh, eh, eh? Well, we do that because they're incredible people and we want to have an awesome relationship with them. Isn't that right? Well, the same is true here. What God is doing, he's saying, listen, I want to have an incredible relationship with you. And so we move into agreement with these commands because we understand they're a gift. And if we just follow these commands, if we get these embedded in our lives, then we're, we're going to have that great relationship with God and we're going to have better relationships with other people. This is God's design. You look at Jeremiah 31. He thought about this a long time before we discovered it. He said, this is the covenant I will make with Israel. After that time, announces the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Notice the end, it's all about relationship. I will be their God, they will be my people. We're going to be in relationship with, with each other. And what's going to make it work and grow and be fantastic? Well, they're going to agree with me and it's going to be in their minds and it's going to be in their hearts. See it? How cool is that? So these commands are absolutely vital to us because we, we need to receive them and move into agreement with them so that our relationship with God and our relationships with others can be everything he wants it to be. So let's start with the commandments. First one, Exodus 20, and we're going to follow St. Augustine's uh, definition of the commandments, okay? In uh, Exodus 20, it says, Do not put any other gods in place of me. Do not make statues of gods that look like anything in the sky or on the earth or in the waters. Do not bow down to them or worship them. I, the Lord your God, there it is again, relationship, am a jealous God. What's the first principle? Well, if you're going to have an awesome relationship with God, if you're going to have the relationship that He wants to have with you, then you've got to move into agreement with Him and say, God, You are number one. It's for us when we say, Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is Lord. We just move in agreement with that and say, listen, my life is no longer about myself. It is all about whatever God wants in my life. My days are no longer all about what my needs or wants and desires are. It's all about what Jesus Christ wants to do in and through my life. It's where we just move in agreement and we say, listen, God is the most important thing in my life. God is first in my life. It means everything that we do, everything that we try to discern, every decision we make in our lives, we make it in terms of, so what's the impact? Is this going to keep God first in my life? Is this going to make an impact according to what God's purpose is uh, in my life? So the key for us is to always move in that direction that says, hey, God comes first. And notice he ends saying, listen, I'm a jealous God. That, that, that's what he expects. That's how we move into agreement with him on this. That, that's the way it works. And, and when we start putting other gods in his place, then our lives can't become what they're supposed to be. Uh, we can see that, Proverbs 3.6. Proverbs 3.6 says, in everything you do, do what? Say it with me, will you? Put... God first. Do you get it? Do we need to say it again? You got it. Okay. Put God first in everything you do. Why? And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Why do we do this? It's the order of things. See, the commandments are given as a gift because God's the one that created the universe. God's the one that created us. God's the one that created our relationship with him. God's the one that created the dreams and the purposes for our lives. God knows how we work. And so he puts this into place to say, listen, receive these commands. Move into agreement with these commands. Why? Because then I can work in your life. Then I can do something in your life. If you move into agreement with this, if you, in everything you do, put God first, then I'm going to be able to work in your life in a powerful way and keep you moving, growing, and being an impact person for the cause of the kingdom of heaven. If you don't, if you start focusing on other things, if you start focusing on, on the, the other things of this world, then life gets out of sync. Your relationship isn't going to grow. It's not going to move. It's not going to be everything it could be. And life is going to get out of sync. Let me show it to you. It's in 2 Kings 17. And uh, I, I put this one in after I did your uh, your message notes that you got on the handout there. So write 2 Kings 17 in the margins, okay? You don't want to miss this verse. Uh, shows you I do prepare this beforehand, right? Uh, so 2 Kings 17. But the people wouldn't listen. They were as stubborn as their people of long ago had been. Those people didn't trust in the Lord their God. Didn't put him first. They refused to obey his rules. Didn't come in agreement. They broke the covenant he had made with them. They didn't pay any attention to the warnings he had given them. They worshipped worthless statues of gods. Contrary to first commandment, right? Look at the outcome. They themselves became what? Wow. Is that a great insight? I mean, you, you come into agreement, you get your life in the, in the purposes and the intentions of your relationship with God, and your life becomes everything it can be. You get out of agreement. You, you don't move in that direction. Then, then how can God work in your life? How, how can God accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life, you see? What, what happened to these folks? They got out of agreement. They, they moved away from that command. They moved away from the intention God has for them. And, and when they looked in, their, in the mirror, they saw their lives because they were focusing on worthless things. They saw that they had themselves become worthless. Now listen, if you're in agreement with the first commandment, 
put God first, if you're in agreement with that and you say in your life, Jesus is Lord, there is never a time you can look in the mirror and say you're worthless. It's impossible. It's incongruent. If you're in agreement with the first commandment and you put God first in your life and you say Jesus is Lord, there is never a time that you can see your life as worthless. Because your life is always worth the blood and the suffering of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't tell me you're worthless. He died to make you everything you are and can be. You see, when you focus on putting God first, when you focus on saying Jesus is Lord, when you, when you discern and keep in that direction where God wants you to go, your life cannot be worthless. But when you replace it with false gods, when you move away from that agreement, guess what the outcome? We can get it from Jesus himself, Matthew 6. He says it pretty simply. But put God's kingdom what? First. There it is. Put God's kingdom first. Do this. Come in agreement. Put him first. Do what he wants you to do. Then all those things will also be given unto you. You see the agreement? You see, when we put God first, we get in that right relationship. The relation grows and flourishes. God can work more in our life. And then our lives become even more impact-oriented for the kingdom of heaven. Why is this important? This is important not just for us, not just for we adults in the room. This is important for every one of the kids that are over there in kids' camp right now. And, and you get that, the consequences of this in Exodus 20. And it's great that God is not afraid to expose to us how important this is and the consequences. He says, do not bow down to them or worship them. I, that's false gods, right? I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I punish the children for the sins of their parents. I punish the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of those who hate me. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? You, you may be sitting there and saying, well, how can he do that? I thought he was a loving God. How can he do that? You don't understand. He's not doing anything. It's what we do. If we don't get focused on capturing the hearts and souls of kids, then their lives are going to be this generation after generation after generation. It's not about what God does. God is consistent, right? You don't have to be an adult to have your life become worthless because you're walking away from God. It's our, we, Christ Church, listen, we got to have an absolute, undeniable commitment to the kids that are in kids' camp and the youth in our youth program because we got to break the cycle in their lives so they don't live worthless lives. Why? Look at the end. But for all time to come, consistent, for all time to come, I shall love to all those who love me and keep my commands. You see, if we put him first in our life, and we embed that. We tell our kids how awesome God is, and if they just live his way, their lives are going to be incredible for the purposes of the kingdom of heaven. He is consistent, and he will do incredible things in their lives. It's not what he does. It's whether we are committed to capture their hearts. That's where it is. And if we're not committed, that cycle will continue. we got to get committed to capture their hearts. Did I make my point? I hope you're with me. Let's move on. Okay, so put God first. How, the next commandment then falls into place. If we keep putting God's first, what, what does that look like for us? 
And, and how do we keep doing that? Well, the commandment says, listen, one of the most important places where you've you got to just make sure you put God first is how you use his name. But what do you do with his name? So it says, Exodus 20, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will find guilty anyone who misuses his name. That's pretty clear. Don't misuse it. Don't misuse it. Now, we're all familiar with his name being misused, right? I'm sure you've heard it before. Here's the question. The real question is not how do you misuse his name. Pretty good at that. The real question is how do you use it? So you've got to know how to use it before you figure out how to misuse it, right? I mean, if you know how to use it, then you can protect it to make sure you don't misuse it. Let me give it to you real quick. I'm going to move fast. Psalm 103. I will praise the Lord deep down inside me. I'll praise him. I'll praise him because, because his name is holy. I will praise the Lord. I won't forget anything he does for me. How do you use his name? Praise. That's why we got it. It's an incredible gift to be able to praise and use his name. His name is given to us so that we can praise his name is also given to us so we can exercise power. In uh, Acts 3, Peter says, I don't have silver, I don't have gold. I'm going to give you what I have. Here's what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What's he give him? Power. He uses the name. It's not just uh, uh, Peter, but it's also Paul. He exercises a demon on the young woman. In the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of her. Right? He's exercising the power of the name. And we can see it again in, uh, in Acts 5, where the people understand it's not just about praising him. It's not just about exercising the power of his name, but it's also using his name for perseverance. We're all going to have tough times. We're all going to have challenges. And, and some of those are going to come because of his name, right? Here's what they did in Acts 5. His speech won the leaders over. They called the apostles in, and, and they had them whipped. The leaders ordered them not to speak in Jesus' name. Don't use his name. Then they let the apostles go. The apostles were full of joy as they left the Sanhedrin. They considered it an honor to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. And afterwards, they just keep mentioning the name. What were they doing? The name gave them perseverance. What's key to us? Acts 11. At Antioch, the believers were called Christians for the first time. Here's what we know. We've got the name. And we can use it. We've got the name, and we can use it. We, we can use that name in our lives for perseverance in those difficult times. Wait a minute. The name of Jesus is over my life. We, we can use his name to exercise power in our life and say, wait a minute. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. I'm not going to give up to that. I am, I am a person who lives in the name of Christ. We can use his name in that kind of power. And we can use his name in persuasion that we can invite others into the credible opportunity of living his name, using his name, bearing his name, right? Because of this, Philippians 3, when the name of Jesus is spoken, every knee will bow to worship him. Every knee in heaven and on earth, under the earth, will bow to worship him. Everyone's mouth will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God the Father will receive glory. We've got the name. We've got the name. It is awesome. You tell me, how important is the name? Let's see. When I say Mother Teresa, what do you think of? Good stuff? How about when I say Osama bin Laden? What do you think of? How important is the name? Vital, isn't it? And the key for us is we've got the name. And we can use that name to build up our relationship, to build up this incredible relationship we have with God. Last one. I'm out of time. Got to give it to you quick. 
Keep the real God first with your time. The commandment is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The point for us is what? This is so cool. We've talked about God building this in, right? This relationship and then, then he can work in our life and, and, and he gives us the name so we can exercise that power in our life. And he gives us rest. He gives us rest. Now, in the commandment, when he gives it, he refers to creation. Now, think through this a little bit. Do you suppose when God was in the business of creation, and it says on the seventh day rested, do you figure God, the Almighty, who's been from the beginning and will be forever, really needed a day off? I think not. Who needs a day off? We do. We do. He built it into creation for us. Because that's what these commands do. They think about us. And so he builds into the creation that awareness in us that we need a day of rest. For what? We need a day of rest so we can name his name in praise and worship. We need a day of rest so we can surround ourselves with other Christians be encouraged and strengthened. We need a day of rest so that we can just enjoy what it means to bear his name. It's there in Hebrews 4. So there still is the Sabbath rest for God's people. God's rested from his work. Those who enjoy God's rest also rest from their work. So let us make every effort to enjoy that rest. It's a gift. It's a gift. The key for us in these three is these three are given so that our relationships with our relationship with God can be absolutely everything God wants it to be. All we have to do is just come in agreement. Come in agreement and let God Take over the direction of our life. And we do that when we say, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. I'm going to put him first. He's Lord. I'm going to have rest in my life. I'm going to worship. He's Lord. I'm going to use his name to encourage and strengthen my life and invite somebody else. Let's pray in his name. Father, thank you for the gift you give us of being your people. Not just any people, but your people being people that just have the name of Jesus over our lives, and and people that can say, Jesus is Lord, and put him first, and let him give us every direction and receive all the work that God does in our life. Father, we thank you for the precious gift we have to be able to rest in him, to be able to praise him, and to be able to move forward in life and build this incredible relationship with God. We thank you now and praise you in his name. Amen.